Hello again. Hi. My internet is good, so I don't know what the problem is. But every time you talk, it's like, wow. Oh, shit. That's. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely something in the internet itself. It's getting all jumbled. Let me. <laughs> Let me check mine again. I've got a hundred meg connection right now, so it should be more than. Oh, must be nice. It's supposed to be six hundred. I heard that five G wires are like killing people slowly. Is that true? Oh, radiation. <laughs> yeah, they're just like putting in five G without telling us, and it's just, it's it's yeah, it's bad. Yeah, you know what? There's an awful lot of uh, fuzzy science around that whole question of radiation and you know I, I i think people taking their phones and gluing them to their ear and essentially <laughs> pounding their brain with uh you know electromagnetic waves i'm guessing is not good and you know yeah. i i just sort of have we sort of have a um an experiential thing of a lot of people getting brain tumors but i you know, yeah. I don't know whether the, I, I would think if there's really some some empirical evidence, we hear a, a lot and a lot a lot about it. But you know, it's pretty hard to cover something like that up. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, can you hear me yeah. better now? Okay. Um, before we start talking about it, I just wanted to to yeah clarify, not clarify, just explore the whole thing that you mentioned. You're just about me disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this is my theory. Obviously, that's not cool. And I want to take this seriously and take you seriously and be more respectful of your time and yada, yada. Um, secondly, I, it's like it's like this thing where it's like with phone calls that don't have a specific like invite or time, it's, hard, it's like I think about them differently. It's like New York has turned me into like a, it's like a calendar inviter. It doesn't exist or like, like it's like, it's like a weird, and I hate that obviously. Well, not obviously. I hate that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's a function of. But it's still rude, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's not as, it's in a different form than it, of, of like, okay, when you send me a message saying, hey, let's. You know, I'm going to do this today. I know. Then I'm like, okay, I'm I not know. like saying we have to do it today. You're the one who's saying it today. And then I, I don't know. hear anything I know. from you. And then I send you a message the next day saying, hey. And then, you know, I don't hear anything. Then it's like, what's going on? And it's kind of weird. Well, okay. So yesterday, your, so your message that you sent yesterday, I didn't see at all. So that was like definitely a fluke. And I don't even, honestly, like WhatsApp messages don't come in the same way as like text messages for me because they don't sh right. like show up or whatever. But anyway, that's my fault. It's all, all my fault altogether. And I think it has to do with um, this. I'm not blaming New York on anything. I'm just saying I'm trying to like analyze myself in this moment and figure out what's going on with my brain. And it's like, I do, and I think a lot of people do this, like in my age group too. Not to blame my age group, I'm I take full responsibility. 
But like a lot of people do this thing where it's like you make half plans and until it, and then it's, if it's, if it's not solidified, it's not really a plan. And, but I, I realized the way that I, that I like approached it with you was, I was just like, yeah, I'll I'll call you tomorrow (laughs) and we'll do it then. And, uh, and I think that that phraseology is thrown around so much and not fallen, like no one follows up on it, that it's just like, it becomes meaningless and I need to work on it. And I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it could be, like you said, it could just be a cultural thing and, you know, it definitely is, but I don't yeah, like it. So I don't, you know, and, and so for me, it's not, it's, it's your culture. It's not, yeah. Well, it's not, yeah. I don't have that history with the phones and, you know, like, you know, this yeah. electronic media and, and basically, you know, it's kind of like, um, my, my real electronic form of communication was email and, and mm-hmm. your generation and mail, for example, is chatting and I hate, at, at a fundamental level, I hate chatting. Okay, you know, like Sylvie will send me. Sylvie uses it a lot, and it works very good. What's that? For the sort of semi-immediacy, like, although then it becomes in place of actually calling someone. So I go, you know, if you mm-hmm. really need to talk to someone, you should call them, not what's up them. Mm-hmm. But it's like a chickening <laughs> out of calling. So that way you don't have to call. You could just what's up, and. But it doesn't. It does, It's one. It's to me. It's like in this gray zone between, uh, uh, on the one hand, having some permanency like emails have, but on the other hand, it, it just sort of fades away, right? You know, you get these, especially when there's a group. There's like this endless chatting, and oh my god, I nothing, hate. I hate group. You know, I hate group yeah, text. Something important in the middle of it, it just gets lost, right? Because yeah. it just flies away. Whereas emails, you know, it's sort of a back and forth and back and forth and back and forth kind of so it's and mm-hmm. plus it has you know to me it's like okay i can see my emails there they are they're organized i can save them i can put them in folders i can organize them and you know so sylvie will send me all kinds of things like pay this bill or you know uh, uh, <laughs> add this employee to our you know database whatever and she'll sometimes it'll come in an email which is great because then it's like there it is i can do it i can file it i have a record of it if she sends it to me in a WhatsApp, it's like flying through, WhatsApp. you know, hyperspace and it may or may not ever yeah. get, get done. And uh, so, yeah, so that's, there's that kind of, you know, for me, it's. So should we email each other? <laughs> no, no, I'm cool with chatting. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, to me, that the, the idea of the chat in principle to me was kind of like, it's just short of a, of a phone call. So it's supposed to be like now. It's like if you, you know, I, I it's immediacy. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I would actually treat in my world of things. If someone sent me an email saying, hey, let's talk sometime tomorrow. I would treat that as sort of, OK, maybe they're going to call. Maybe they're not. Maybe we're going to talk. Maybe we're not. If they send me a chat or a WhatsApp, it's the, the impression I always get is, OK, that's like more like immediate. And it's supposed to be like we follow it right up. But the problem, of course, is I'm assuming is you forget. Right. I mean, presumably 100 yeah. percent. I forget so Friday comes, especially when I'm at work because I'm like, busy. I'm I'm busy and I'm and it's work time. And I'm like, of course, I want to take 30 minutes to talk to my dad and do our, our do our episode. Like that's the whole like I totally could have done that, but I totally forgot. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's normal. You know, it's work and all that. It's just 
the problem becomes like how do you mm-hmm. how do you like fill someone in on that and just you know uh, uh I know. just go hey I'm busy now uh we'll have to do it another time I'll get back to you and just leave it open another time to me is wide open if you say I'm gonna do it Friday at work it's very specific <laughs> you know because I because I was very excited about doing it at work like I like because I was like oh yeah I I know tomorrow's not gonna be crazy. Right. Like, like I like, you know, my future self is so much more an energetic than, than, than the present right. like person. Like, like, oh, the future me is like totally going to crush yeah. this interaction. <laughs> and then I get there and I'm like, I hate this. What happened? What's going on? I don't know. I don't want to do any yeah. of this. That's so. Um, and I have a real problem with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. You may be a tickler system for yourself for just something that says, Hey, I'm supposed to do this. And then at least if you get busy, you just send me a, very quick message. No, Busy yeah. I now, mean, and also, it, you know, especially the fact that like you've mentioned it, it's something that, that I care about. This is important. Also, like we have different like cultures around this stuff. And it's like, I forget that sometimes and I just need to. Yeah. My, my, you don't do this, but my favorite version of this sort of, you know, twisting around of like, how do you use communication and media and stuff is Ken. Ken literally, well, this will be, this will be a, a uh, yeah, Ken's, and he likes to use WhatsApp to call me, right? Because it's cheap, right? So, you do, yeah. I like that you so call it WhatsApp. WhatsApp. And, and uh, yeah, it's, it's WhatsApp. WhatsApp. It's not WhatsApp. <laughs> I mean, they obviously took it with from WhatsApp. So, um, so I get this WhatsApp call that goes, uh, I go, hello. Okay, hold on, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, Ken's I hang worst. up immediately. And, and then he comes back, you know, like five minutes later. What happened? What happened? We got cut off. I said, no, we didn't get cut off. I fucking hung up. I, I said, you don't you. call someone and immediately put them on hold. Like, you're busy. I mean, are you kidding me? Why did you call me if you're busy? You know, you know you're insane. That is absolutely oh the most insane thing you can do to, to someone. It's like, okay, I can't talk right now. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> It's a oh, it's exactly. episode. It's, it's, I mean, he is like a Kramer or something. So, so, uh, yeah. and we do it all the time. I mean, he will do it. Yeah, we he do is it. Kramer. He does it. I hang up. I mean, it's like not even, it's, it's a routine. It's, it's a routine. It's cute though. Yeah, we're, that's our like thing that we do. And, uh, yeah. or his other one, now he's gotten, he's gotten different, which is, it's actually just as annoying. He'll call me while he's eating. Or while he's walking, <laughs> the, walking dog. the dog, and everyone wants. To yeah, see. you told me about this, and everyone comes up yeah, to him either, and talks either. to him. Either it's a terrible internet connection, and we're constantly getting cut off, uh, or you know he's exactly he's like in the middle of doing other things, and I'm like you know I said let me wait. I'm gonna call you, Ken, right when I'm in the middle of dental surgery. Okay, I think that's the best time. <laughs> Well, you know, it's about productivity. If you can get something done he's while, fucking, you know. He doesn't have a teeth. job. He doesn't he's, work. He doesn't do anything. But he's pretty. Yeah, I know, but he's, he's also psychotic. He's Kramer. <laughs> no, I mean, he's completely. It's, it's, it's hilarious. Anyway. He's Kramer. It's nice to have a Kramer yeah. in your life. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, we got through that. So, yeah, I mean. Okay. Well, I love you and, I'm, okay. and I'll work on it. That's fine. I mean. I'm just pointing it out. I, I don't, you know, 
No, no, I know. I know you're not you're not shaming me. I just I personally want to be more aware of that stuff. So. Um, okay, you want to talk about sure, that? Let's talk about the F. My first thought was you're going to love it because of Randy. What was your first oh, thought? Oh, I was very excited. I was very excited. Um, and the fact I mean, I am so jealous of this guy. He gets to interview anybody he fucking wants. Right. I mean, obviously, I know you got to become you got to become a, you know, an interesting podcast writer. Well, he's, he's written a bunch of very successful books. I know. And, I know. He's very, and he's he's got very this famous podcast. And so and so I'm just incredibly jealous that here he gets to just like, OK, I'm going to interview Randy Newman. And uh, and then to my kind of disappointment, I thought he, he blew it from what I w- wanted to get out of that, that that process, because I really. I really thought he kind of wandered around and and didn't he it, you know it, it, he didn't answer he was supposed to answer he was supposed to answer the question like why what's the point of putting someone like a segregation segregationist like a platform like the Dick Cavett show what's the point of like letting them speak like are we going to learn anything yeah, this from was them? The, this was the right the the, the actual description yeah, and he didn't answer that, that. Right? Which, is it well, he was saying that Randy Randy Newman tries to answer that, which I don't totally get. Yeah, you know, the he did an earlier episode, uh, and I think it was the third season. It was about satire. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was two mm-hmm. episodes about satire or just one. Satire well, paradox. It was, it was that that satire. Also, That's what the name of the episode. I don't remember the paradox part, but I remember the fact that that it was all about. Oh. You know, one of the main things was about does satire really work? Does it actually get people to think and see things differently? And I thought the conclusion of that of that episode was no, it doesn't. Um, and he actually, there was an English series, and then there was an Israeli one that he was. Do you remember that one? You know, he was. Yeah, it's called the Satire oh, okay. Paradox, and yeah. it and it was. Um, it was after generous orthodoxy and yeah, it was, it was season two or something. So yeah. anyway, so in that, in that he kind of did, I thought a pretty good job of like going, you know, satire seems to still be preaching to the choir and that the people who you're, you know, who you're trying to satirize don't really get it. And so it's completely ineffective. It doesn't do anything. And it's like, what's the point? So here's Randy Newman who guess what? He's a satirist, right? Randy Newman mm-hmm. is not having conversations um, with the people of his that he's sat, sat, satirizing. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, that I thought, if you wanted to talk, you know, the theme of this one was how do we, you know, is it worth having a conversation with someone that we really disagree with? Um, uh, and and then. Uh, you know, Randy Newman does something really cool, which which I thought Malcolm touched on. And, you know, when he started with Marie and and even then, mm-hmm. you know, even then in the Rednecks song, which is obviously a lot more gruff. Um, but in both of them, he's sort of showing a point of view of somebody who you might find disgusting. And, he, and particularly when he's doing something like Marie, where it's, it's sort of, you know, the sympathetic somewhat sympathetic view of this this kind of you know this guy you know he's who's, who's yeah you know what's it like to be in his head and so randy goes yeah i don't know you know i don't know if i like him i don't know and i love and, that yeah and so that 
would have been for me the episode. We we were sat with Randy Newman and go, okay, so what you know, you write a song like that, and you write these other songs, and you know, do you imagine that you're going to have a conversation with this person? Is it going to be? Is it about you know who who are we illuminating? Are we illuminating ourselves? Are we illuminating? that person are we seeing this person in ourselves and sort of being self-reflective and that's the exercise you know what's going on in your head Randy Newman may have simply said fuck fuck if I know I think they're just good songs and leave me alone I'm not going to do this interview um which yeah maybe maybe Malcolm Gladwell was worried that he would say that or maybe he didn't just cut it out (laughs) I don't know yeah I mean so so in the end you know he sort of he sort of goes on this little you know he, he he, and then he goes in with this Dick Cavett thing, which which was kind of fascinating, I thought. Yeah, super and, fascinating. And and then the way that he described it was that, um, you know that that um, Maddox turned himself into the victim, so to speak, and and. But he didn't really go, you know, Cavett, why don't you just apologize? If, if, the point, if the point was to continue the engagement with this guy and, and actually try to, you know, draw this out and, and try to get a, a, you know, because Cavett says, I kind of like the guy. You know, he says that to the audience and he's booze and whatever. So if Cavett's being sincere... And I never found Cavett sincere, by the way. I always thought he was a slimy son of a bitch. Um, oh, I don't know yeah, anything about him. He's, you know, it's a different era. Um, but I always thought he was smug and, and, you know, and trying to be, you know, to show how smart he was. And, um, but he, he managed to, you know, interview a lot of interesting people. And this is a very dynamic, interesting interview. And I thought Jim Brown's comments to Maddox were, were like, great we're like fascinating you know like, yeah they're incredible and then he doesn't really answer them and, and he gets off on a tangent that like makes no sense and it's not helpful for the conversation well, yeah, Cabot could have simply said you're absolutely right Jim, Jim Brown said I, yeah like you're you're right I said the wrong word now let's answer the question well, let's talk about it yeah I mean a we could... like I'm sorry that I said I said right. the wrong word like let's let's answer the so, question so now there's two questions right there's two interesting questions we could talk about one is you know why do, do you think that uh, uh, there's such a thing as a bigot? Has Jim Brown said, you know, why is it that the bigots, uh, if you're being so great to black people, why is it the bigots aren't attacking you? So that implies there are something, there are people who are actual bigots and that Lester Maddox in his mind isn't one of them. And then he could explain what he thinks is going on. Presumably, the answer is Lester Maddox doesn't think there's such a thing as bigots. And therefore, you can't answer a question like that because there is no such thing as bigots. And he's just getting distracted by the fact that someone's using a, a, a word that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. And if, any, and if anything, it's offensive and he doesn't even want to even touch on it and just wants to get an apology. Well, the apology, the, the apology is a different form. He's not. He's, from Jim, no, from he's Jim not Brown. Asking, he's not secondly. Asking. I know, but he, he does, if you listen, he asks for an apology from Jim Brown as well later. Oh, well, then Jim Brown could, could have, <laughs> have had the conversation with him. And then everyone but, laughs. You know, it's like, it's like, you know, if, 
if you're really trying to get inside the head of this guy or have this real conversation, then you're really getting into, you know, is it your perception that black people, that the suffering of black people, that a black people did not in fact suffer in the South, that they were not victims of, of oppression. Um, and that this was just a, uh, you know, th this is really, you know, uh, a consequence of their own, circumstance i have a feeling that he wouldn't actually answer those questions i don't know but certainly certainly the conversation yeah. really the the impression you get was that that was the conversation that cavett was going to try to have you know, yeah we go back to the you know the idea of this episode which is is it worth talking to someone that you disagree with um you know the answer to me is yeah fuck yeah um but but I think most people are passive aggressive that, that yeah. most people really don't want to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, and that either, either they don't want to get uh, uh, that worked up um, or they don't, they're, you know, they don't want to expose themselves that maybe their, you know, their, their point of view might be in some way wrong. Um, well, on the flip side too, the person asking the question, I think, in, on some level doesn't really want to hear the terrible answers that they think that they're going to hear because, you know, they're, I mean, not really, because then they're just going to like hate them more instead of like giving them a platform, like on trying to understand them more. You know what I mean? Like, isn't the whole point to like try and understand where people you disagree with are coming from in order to like understand a little bit more about like what they're thinking. But if you, if you're so against them and when to hear them, answer the question that you really want them to answer, then you do, you'll just get more upset and hate them more. Right. I guess that's, I guess that's what's going on is there's, I mean, that's not what I would do, but I, I can, I can imagine that would happen. Well, I'm always, you know, I'm always confronted with the dilemma of, you know, me being seen as someone who is not sensitive to other people's feelings. Right. So I, so I'm, yeah. <laughs> at, you know, so I ask something that's uh, makes someone very uncomfortable or I say You're... something that they What's that score called? Sorry, what? <laughs> Remember we were talking about this, your, your, uh, your score of um, whatever, oh. whatever Malcolm Gladwell yeah. calls. Mel, Mel says I have anyway. Asperger's, you know, a form of Asperger's. Uh, You're on the spectrum a little, sure. So, um, uh, but, but the, the, it seems to me that, that there's, um, you know, if you're going to be an interviewer, and you're going to try to, or you really want to engage someone, then there's different strategies for how you do it. But you have to be pretty, like, you know, upfront in your own mind anyway, of what, what you're trying to do. You know, am I trying, am I trying yeah. to win an argument? Am I trying to really understand this person's point of view? Am I trying to change their mind? Am I trying to show them I'm smart? Am I just trying to play to an audience, you know, vis-a-vis -vis Dick Cavett and, and show yeah. the audience that I'm smart. Um, so. So when you say it's totally worth it to engage with people we disagree with or give or give people like this a platform and you say, hell yeah, it's worth it. What is the what is the like potential positive outcome of that? Like what, what comes out of it? Like, why do you say that? Well, if it's if it's sincere and that the you know, that the the the, the two people have some degree of intelligence, then mm -hmm. maybe it nudges both of them into thinking 
a, something they hadn't thought of before and broadens their perspective. Yeah. And I think uh, that's what I think that's what Randy Newman's songs do, at least for me. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because when I was listening to the song, I was like, he's satirizing a, you know, a segregationist type person who's like empathizing with less dramatic. And at the same time, he's saying that that this guy's no better than like the Yankees in the North or whatever. Yeah, because they're free to put uh, uh, niggers in the cage in, you know, Harlem. And right. I mean, he's he's showing this. The, he's pointing out that the whole system, you know, that the that the that that nobody it, it, when it comes to race in the United States is is, uh, you know, where you are or whatever is is going to um you know, uh, absolve you or whatever. I mean, the, the, um, uh, the, the, so yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, you know, not a conversation, right? It's just, yeah. it's the form of Randy Newman's satire is to kind of open you up to, uh, like what's going on here. You know, kind of what's going on, you know, what's really going on here, you know, and we're all dicks. Well, I mean, and we're all the nothing's... same. I love when he's, yeah. I love when he was reading his own lyrics and he was like, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a very funny guy. Like he, he completely is dissolved of, of anything after it's been written and done with. Just like I don't, I don't know what I was doing, or I don't know who that guy is, or whatever. Like I really like that. Yeah, I, I, um, I saw Randy Newman a long, long time ago in UCLA, um, and was was way before he was doing, you know, movies and Disney and stuff, and and mm-hmm. and uh, he was he was uh, he was pretty shy. He's kind of like mumbling mm-hmm. to himself most of the time, um, <laughs> you know, and he's opened up a lot, but I mean, he, you know, he, he's just so good. So funny and so right on. And, and, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, but you always knew that there's no way he could be mainstream. I mean, it's, it is amazing. You know, they, they, they spent a lot of time on sail away. Okay. And, which has nothing to do, by the way, with this whole topic that, you know, of having a conversation with someone. I think he was just pointing out that, like, Randy Newman has a really good way of doing songs that no one else can do that are, like, you know, cringeworthy and potentially, like, shocking. But he does it in a way that's, like, you know, satire and it's, 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 it's thoughtful and it's striking and blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. At first, I thought it was going to be just a homage to Randy Newman or a whole exploration of Randy Newman. And, you know, a, a version of that satire, you know, a, a version of that satire uh, episode, you know, but from a different twist, which is, you know, uh, yeah. music and and, um, you know, and maybe music gets it across in a whole different way. Um, but uh, and then but then, he, you know, he transformed it over into the less dramatics thing and then Randy Newman's song you know, about that incident. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it was just kind of, uh, yeah, I was, I was like left. And then he, he compares less dramatics to Trump at one point. Yeah. Which is yeah ridiculous. 
Um, yeah. Well, just in like the similarities of, 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 you know, how he was elected and stuff. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. yeah, but like the way he won governor and all the, yeah. Well, it was a stretch. Do you feel, do you feel happy not to live in America? No, not at all. No, I like living in, I mean, uh, you come here and you see all the, the, the really know. dangerous aspects of the way society is organized here. And it, it's, yeah. a bit, it's a bit, you know, you real, you know, when you see the way the government can just do anything it wants, um, it's pretty, it's pretty scary. And they don't, they don't yeah. get that, you know, they, they, you know, they think they're far away from that era of Hitler and Mussolini and Franco, but all they've done mm-hmm. is replace one form of totalitarianism for another. And the, the current one is, you know, the totalitarianism of the majority or, of, or, or really of the party in power, whatever that may be. And, um, yep. you know, the only thing that's currently, you know, and, and the politicians don't even quite get it. What's been happening is that the people, are, I think, instinctively fighting against that. And that's why now you have all these minority governments. I mean, pretty much there's not a single government now in Europe that where there's one party that has a majority. They're all these, you know, cobbled together coalitions. So that's sort of a check. The, the, the weird problem is as soon as they get their cobbled together coalition, they act like they are, you know, they have a 100% mandate from the people. And then they go ahead and they do these crazy things and... Um, you know, and then it's like, it's like that doesn't work or that becomes a problem. And then, and then the next guy comes in and they just do the same shit. So, yeah. you know, and then you see the way like, um, um, you know, people are really not, you know, if you, if you know how to work the system here, then you can be successful. But if you don't know how to work the system, if you just like have good ideas or good products or good services, you just get fucked over by the government and by the rules and, and uh, you mean like in, in business, in business. So, you know, they don't, they can't understand why isn't that good ideas do well here and that these same big companies just seem to prosper. Well, guess what? They, they really, you know, you think it's bad in America, but it's much worse here. It's much more corrupted in the sense that the government has their hand in everything. And as a result, they have the ability to, fuck with everything and you know and and, yeah. and give the advantage to this guy or that guy or this other guy so you 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 know if you're if you're trying to be an entrepreneur you see it and it's like you know it's really clear how how rigged it all is and how mm-hmm. how much it's a good boy you know good old boy system and <laughs> uh so you know i don't know i i I think. Um, Have you guys uh, figured out how to hack the system at all? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Okay. No, you got to be. You know, you have to be sort of in it, um, and we're not in it. We thought we would like hook up with people who are in it, but they're not in it either. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really limited to in Spain anyway to just probably. 50 companies maybe zara well zara actually was they broke through it 
to some extent um, and did it kind of, you know, they're the exception that makes that proves the rule. I mean, they did, I think, kind of do it in spite of the system. But, but yeah. to a large extent, I think it's because they're out of Barcelona. Where oh, yeah. Maybe a little different, bit. Different rules. Yeah, Barcelona, you know, within that system, they may have rigged that side. You know, that, so yeah. <laughs> not on the pure Spanish side. So it's, it's really, you know, it's way beyond my ability to know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. I can just tell you that you see the, the arbitrarily arbitrariness of how things are done you know um you know for example uh employees you know the government has contracts for everybody okay you cannot you cannot work in spain without being under a contract that a contract a contract that's right everybody has a contract by law and what yeah that you know, guy washing dishes has a contract with the company, um, and the and like a and the, like a like a tax contract. No, no, no. This is the contract, your legal contract of employment. You shall work for these many months. Blah 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 blah, and you will get but paid with your with your employer, not with the government. But the government defines the contracts. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, it's called even if it's a private company. That's correct. It's called convenios, okay? So they create a convenio, a convention that says, if your job is this, this, or this, then these are the terms of the contract. Ew. The only variability that you have is the length of the contract. So the result is, and remember, after someone's worked in a country for more than a year in a contract, they basically are given a job for life, in theory, and, and the only way you can fire them is if, is if you're having like a, a you know, like a reduct, e- either some sort of gross negligence that you can prove or a, uh, like a, you know, work slowdown, like, you know, left, I have to cut. Are the, are the implications or the consequences of these contracts like enforced by law? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Spanish people know it very well. So they know, you know, once they get the contract, they work the contract. So. The, the result is that, guess what? Almost nobody works for more than a year <laughs> at a job because no, very few companies can afford to keep somebody under these contracts. Okay, so the convenios get – so anyway, part of, the, part of my point is, is that the convenios get set up, and they say, this is what a dishwasher makes. This is what a, someone in the kitchen makes. This is what someone who's a cook makes. You know, this is what a waiter makes. Um, so the government is deciding how much people make. Exactly. Okay. So it's socialism. Of course. Yes. I have socialism here. And, okay. and, um, and on top of that, they, um, so, but it's socialism. Now get this. You can go to the government and get your lawyers and cre- try to create your own convenio. Okay. So, and, and the rules are as long as the convenio is quote unquote, better than the standard in other words you if if you're mcdonald's you're supposed to be able to go and say i'm going to give better conditions to my workers mm-hmm. than a regular restaurant right mm-hmm. okay so only the big companies can do this because it's very expensive and very time mm-hmm. consuming to go and get your own convenience and guess what they do mcdonald's employees they're they're, they're not in the restaurant business 
Okay. They're in a different business. Their convenio is based on, uh, like, I don't know what it is. It's like um, dishwashers or something. So, because there's no, you know, no real, real waiters and no real cooks and all that. So McDonald's has their own convenio and the people are paid less than the restaurant one. Because they, they figured out a way define the people that work there as different than the people who work at a they restaurant. Created a, they went to the government and said, we're going to make this convenio that's based on, and instead of basing it on a restaurant, they based it on something else, right? Which nobody else gets to be or in the restaurant business. And therefore, they go ahead and get the government to agree to giving worse terms to their staff. And the government's agreeing to this. And other restaurants have to pay a higher wage. That is so backwards. So that's socialism. Socialism takes it and makes it worse, not better. Well, in theory, if it, if, if it was done right, it wouldn't be that bad, but it would be bad. And then in, the, like, in theory, all these things are supposed to work very differently than how they work in practice, obviously. That's, yeah, very that's the, problem. <laughs> the problem. The problem becomes the theory is we can't trust businesses to do the right thing. And we can't trust humans to like not be like, you know, wanting more and, and ha- like, you know, what, whatever the incentives are. So it's, yeah, I mean, oh, either way you cut it, it's like, okay, we're going to intervene as the government because we're going to make sure things are done more fair. And then in the end, we make sure things are less fair because yeah. we are basically corrupt. And, um, you know, somewhere along the line, people get paid off or they just, you know, they're convinced by the argument. Well, you know, we're McDonald's, so we employ all these people. So therefore, if we didn't have this, we couldn't employ all these people. Except guess what? There'd be all these other restaurants employing more people. And, you know, so it's it's all bullshit. And so anyway, it goes around and around and around and around. And it's it's just it just drives you crazy, you know. So the same yeah. thing like Telepizza. Telepizza doesn't have to pay nearly as much to their staff as we do because they're not in the restaurant business. They're in the delivery business, package delivery, because they're delivering pizzas. Okay? And, the, and everybody yeah. works there. The, the waiters, the cooks, they're all... Everybody works all there. <laughs> anyway, it just drives me nuts. So... I know. I'm sorry. It drives me nuts. So, too. you know, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the, from the, from the point, certain points of view, it's great here. And certain, on certain kinds of things, it's really nice that the culture can say, you know what, there's other measures of what we want than just money. So, um, you know, and people are willing to, kind of agree to that you know they're, they're willing to, to say you know what we'll, we're willing to pay this tax and if it goes to putting in a nice tram system that's really nice that takes people all around the town here um that that it's it's a worthwhile benefit and it's you know and so you have you know rail systems that work pretty well um you know public transportation that's pretty nice um you know certain kinds of uh, you know, things that are maintained are really nice. Um, and, you know, it's just when you see the waste and the inefficiency and the stupidity that you start to get pissed because, you know, you, you know, it's your money being wasted on that kind of ridiculous stuff. 
So, yeah. Um, but. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I gotta, um, get ready to go. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I like the episode. <laughs> you like the episode? You liked it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, there was like, there was definitely annoying parts oh. to it. Like, in the fact that, like, it felt like he wasn't answering all the questions. What was but... your favorite part? Um, I mean, just like listening to Randy yeah. Newman talk about, yeah, about his music and being like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I really wish, I really um, wish it was just an interview with Randy Newman and just like, you know. And then when when they played the 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 redneck song, I like got chills. Oh, you didn't because of why? And so I I I've never heard that song uh, before, and I yeah. I I um I think that was my favorite part. Like listening to the song, the explanation of the song, him interviewing him about the song. Like I was yeah, I got I chills. I was shocked that that supposedly Randy Newman was singing that in the South and everybody was cheering and yelling and singing along that all the rednecks were singing it. Because they didn't get well, it. Of course they, I mean, they had to be getting it at a certain level. The, the lyrics. Well, they, they don't care. I think that, I think that they think it's just. We're rednecks. We're rednecks. We don't know our ass from a hole in the wall. We're rednecks. Yeah. I think they're proud. <laughs> that they don't know their ass from a hole in the wall. No, I mean. Yeah. I, that's that's very interesting. I think I really think psychologically that's very interesting. How is it? Yeah, I know. I want to know what the fuck so, they're thinking. So that's interesting. I mean, I think it's great and good natured that someone can see that about themselves and sing that and say, "Well, we're really not stupid like that, but we are stupid like that, and we can make fun of ourselves." Yeah, like we talk, we talk funny, yeah. and you know, we we're ignorant and. Whatever. You know, and, and keeping the niggas down. You know, we're keeping the niggas down. And, okay. And that, Stop saying that huh? so much. <laughs> Nothing. Well, that they could sing that, you know, and they're singing it. And, and yet, yeah. and, and don't have that, you know, that politically correct sensibility, which I think, what's his name was talking about at the beginning is like being overly prissy about language and all of that. And, you know, can you be like open and self-reflective and and admit, you know, and use words that are going to be offensive to somebody because there's always something that's going to offend somebody. I don't know. I find that a very interesting psychological subject and question and whether or not, you know, and that could have been a whole episode. It's just like, how is it people can do that? How can they sing about themselves like that? And, and what what's going through their mind? And, you know, Randy Newman said... Well, when I thought that they were like using it as an anthem, I stopped singing it. Yeah, because that's not the point. It's and and like that's so interesting because that stuff happens all the time, where like you know, uh, these things that are not supposed to be used as like you know stomping grounds for people who uh, you know are hate hateful and you know f you know the the scary alt-right so or whatever they yeah, they're so they using should. this happens all the time on the internet right. well that's the thing is 
should, you know, in, in Randy Newman's idea, then they shouldn't be proud of themselves being rednecks. How dare they be proud of that? Right? Is what he said. I think so. Yeah. And, and it's very, it's, it's like, it's so fascinating because you're kind of like setting, setting them up to look, look stupid, but in their mind, they don't care. Right. So that's great. So that's interesting. So that's this question about that. Yeah, no, it, that's, that's, yeah, right. it's fascinating. That's the whole thing then about satire. And if you're the satirist and you're trying to get across a point that's from a point of view and saying, I don't want them to be proud of being rednecks and they are proud of being rednecks. And so you like, then you're not having that conversation. So we're back to the same square one of the failure, the paradox of satire, right? It's a failure. And if that's your point is to try to like beat up the other guy and get him to, you know, as opposed to whether or not there's really a chance to have a conversation and talk about it. And, you know, and if, if someone, you know, because I think that the quote unquote redneck may be able to talk to you and go, you know what? Yes, of course we have this horrible history of whatever. And, but here's my life and here's what I'm doing. You know, if let's. I think there are some rednecks who would definitely, definitely, definitely say that. Yeah. Well, let's do I don't know that they're, I don't know that they're singing. I don't know that they're singing along to Randy Newman's song, right. but may, maybe some yeah, of I mean, them are. Would, you know, to me, if, if it would have been really interesting, I, I, I don't think he was alive anymore at the time, but the guy who should have been brought in next to Lester Maddox was Malcolm X, not Jimmy Brown, because. Malcolm X believed in separation and segregation. I mean, he believed it willfully done yeah. by black people. And, and in my opinion, he's actually correct, you know, and that, and it was very interesting, the whole, you know, this, this, you know, uh, from Gladwell's point of view, you know, he's talking about the, a lot of the failures of the civil rights movement and this attempt to kind of integrate black people into America, which meant making them into, you know, white people. As, a, as opposed yep. to elevating them for their own culture. And the, the, yep. We did the same thing. Or not we, but they did the same thing with Native Americans. Yeah, so yeah. The, 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 the point is, is that the Jews never did that. The Jews, you know, and, right. and you know, you can make the argument that the success of Jews has was or has been that they, you know, stayed separate and that they... And created their own culture, and, and said, yeah. This. You know, we'd rather be, you know persecuted and persecuted and persecuted and have our strength of our culture, then, you know, you help us, quote unquote. So that's a real interesting mm-hmm. discussion. And, you know, anyway, so we could go there. We'll have to do our own podcast. <laughs> okay. Oh. I miss I you and you I love baby. you. All right. Look forward to next time. Okay. Me too. Right. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye. I love you.